Gosh, isn't it good to be together? And we got busy weeks, things going on. It's just good when we get to gather back together um, uh, just once a week here. Um, if you have your Bible, I want you to open them up to Matthew chapter 9. Um, that's where we're going to be this morning, Matthew chapter 9. I don't know what's up with this front row, y'all. Hey, y'all no, this is open, okay? Uh, I, I tend to spit a little bit when I'm up here, but I don't know if I've got that kind of range. Um, so feel free at any time and any week to sit in one of these uh, front row uh, seats. Um, uh, let, let's pray together. <laughs> Father, there is so much joy in you. We look in Scripture and we see laughter and we see exuberance and we see praise and we see worship and we see bowing down and we see humor. Lord, like you are so much bigger, I think, sometimes than what we give you credit for. And you uh, bring joy to our lives. Uh, this morning, God, as we meet together, um, I know that there are things that we've gone through in our week and in our walk um, that we would rather not go through this week. There are things that cause hurt. There are things that cause anger. Uh, but Lord, this morning, we're not setting those things aside and saying they didn't happen. We're just saying we're going to choose to be joyful because of you. And so as we dive into your word and we spend time together, Father, would you uh, encourage us, challenge us, but encourage us to walk faithfully with you and to see the joy that we have and, and, and just experiencing your life on a day-in and day-out basis. Take this time and use it, I pray in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Uh, God uses people uh, to reach people, right? God uses people uh, to reach people. We've, we've said uh, a few different times, and I think maybe it's been a couple years uh, since we said this, but uh, we, we've heard it like this, rescued people, rescue people, right? When, when Jesus comes in and does a miraculous work in your life and rescues you from the things that have held you bondage, held you back, when he's set you free and you've been rescued, the natural thing is for us to go and begin to try to rescue other people. God uses people to reach other people. He could choose a thousand different ways. He could choose not to use us at all, but in fact, he has chosen to use us. He's chosen to use us to reach people. And you just might be the person that God wants to use to reach somebody who's in your sphere of, of influence. Um, I've shared this with you uh, in, in the past, uh, uh, probably several times, but I gave my life to Jesus uh, back in November of uh, 1999. Uh, up to that point, I was a, a hedonistic um, uh, enjoyer of life and, and finding pleasure in all kinds of things. I was a product of my uh, Southern Ohio culture. Uh, in my uh, little circle uh, where I'm from, uh, uh, the kids in high school, they would drink on Fridays and Saturdays nights. And because I like people and I care about what people think and I try to be a part of what other people are doing, I found myself drinking on Fridays and Saturday nights. Be because uh, people are invested in sports and they like sports and they played sports and I like sports. I found myself, uh, because I like people, I wanted to play uh, sports I I as well. There were people in my circle that were dabbling in things that they shouldn't be dabbling in and because I like people and I want to please people, I found myself dabbling in things that I shouldn't be dabbling in as well. I did what I saw other people do around me because I like people and I, and I cared what people thought uh, about me. Well, in the midst when I was doing all of that stuff, there, there was no reason that any good Christian would have wanted to hang around me, right? Anybody who was trying to keep their life pure and to keep themselves in some level of a bubble, there was no reason that anybody would have wanted to hang around me at all. Not, not, not at all. 
But in spite of everything that I was doing, there was a, a kid named Joey who was this ultra-conservative Christian. Some would probably call him a fundamental at the time. If there was anybody who was perfect, right, uh, that I knew in my life, Joey would have been in this level of a perfect man. He just seemed like he did everything uh, right. But somehow he wanted to start hanging uh, around me. And, and so around lunchtime, he would come and sit at my table and sit right next to me. Uh, he could have sat next to anybody, but he chose to sit next to me. Uh, he began to invite me over to his house to play ping pong. I had no clue what ping pong was at, at the time. And so he'd bring me over, and he'd smoke me for like, you know, a couple hours. And I was like, dude, I don't even know how to get the ball over the net. I don't know why you're over there cheering about how bad you're beating me. I don't even know what I'm doing here. But after a, a few months, the tables turned, and I learned how to play. And then just having time hanging out with him, I learned how to play ping pong, and I learned how to beat Joey. But he invited me into the things that he was interested in, invited me into his life. And, and he uh, asked me questions about my school. He asked me questions about my, my family, about my future. He was invested in me. And then every once in a while, he, he um, would uh, ask me something about Jesus. He said, hey, how, how do you feel uh, about Jesus? There was never any pressure there. He just naturally weave, would weave Jesus into the conversation one way or another. And he never sat me down and said, hey, let, let me walk you through a sinner's prayer. He never sat me down and said, hey, I want to walk down these passages with you. He just hung around me, and, 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 and he spent time with me. He, he led me to Jesus, but he wasn't the one who actually led me to Jesus. There was, a, there was a night where I threw my hands up in the air and said, God, my life is yours. You do whatever you want with me. And Joey wasn't even in the room, but the conversations that I would had, that I'd had with him for the past three years were conversations that teed up this time where God said, you know what? It's time. I'm going to do a miraculous work in your life. It wasn't just one conversation that I had with him one night. It wasn't one conversation that I had with him when I was sitting down at the table. It was a three-year process of having conversations with a real person who was really invested into my life who led me to Jesus. See, God used in that moment a normal person who loved Jesus to reach me, a rescued person who was reaching out to rescue people. He was using a normal person to, to reach me. He used a kid named Joey. Here, I want to ask you a straightforward question and a sincere question. It's a question that I've been asking myself for the past month. And really, as we were diving into this passage for, for this week, I, I just began to ask myself, am I being a Joey for anybody else? Are, are, are you being a Joey in anybody's life? Is there anybody that, that, you're intentional, that is intentionally in your life who doesn't know Jesus? Is there, is there anybody in your life that you've said, I'm going to allow you to be in my life or I want you to be in my life and I know that you don't know Jesus? Is there anybody in your life that you're having real conversations with that just might open up the door and maybe tee up a conversation where Jesus comes in and does a miraculous work in them? And so as you're thinking about that, it, the question is, if I don't intentionally have people in my life that don't know Jesus, the very next question is, then Why? Why don't I have people in my life that, that know Jesus? Or if I have people in my life that know Jesus, what's, what's the next step? So I'm sure we've got all kinds of different reasons where we would say, well, I, I just don't have these people in my life. Or I've got family members that are in my life who, who don't know Jesus, but I'm not intentionally investing in people that don't really know him. Uh, uh, so we could have a, a thousand different reasons, but I know the reason that I use. I don't know your reason, but I know the reason that I use. Um, and it's usually because I say I don't have the margin or... I don't have time. Uh, I'm uh, really just too busy to be a Joey in, in somebody's life. And, and, and then I was just thinking about that this week. I said, uh, I almost gave myself a pass 
You know how sometimes you, you get this idea in your mind and you say, okay, yeah, I, I, I agree with that, and I just move on, and you know it's not okay? I almost gave myself a pass and said, you know what, I, I really don't have time. Man, I'm busy. I'm, I'm busy being a husband. I'm busy being a father. I'm busy coaching a basketball team. I'm busy being a pastor. I'm busy doing all, all of these things. So, 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 so really, yeah, you are just way too busy to be involved here, and I almost gave myself a pass. But Jesus, in the conversation that I was having with him, made me dig a, a, a little bit deeper. So why do you think that your time is any uh, more significant than somebody else's? Why do you think you're busier than, than anybody else? And then I realized what had been happening in my life that I was using the, the aspect of being busy as an excuse. <laughs> I was using it as an excuse. I was using it as a crutch for, for just downright being lazy. Too lazy to have conversations with people. Too lazy to, to follow Jesus into a situation I'd rather not be a part of. Too lazy to have conversations that might make me stay in a situation a little bit longer than I would particularly like to, to stay in. God showed me this week just this nasty picture of my laziness. In our time this morning, I hope that he shows you something too. It, it may not be lazy. Maybe it is laziness. Maybe it's apathy. Maybe it's um, whatever it is. I, I'm praying that God would show you something. Do you have people in your life that don't know Jesus? We're in Matthew chapter 9 this morning, and I want to read Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, and a few verses that, that follow. And for most of us, this isn't going to be anything new, right? Most of us, if you've been around the church for, for a little while, you've probably heard this passage. But as we read this, I want you to think about maybe seeing this with brand new eyes, maybe hearing this story with, with brand new ears and having a new mindset around it, because I think if we really grasped what's going on here in this passage, that we might just have uh, quite a few more lost people in our circles. Let, let, let's read Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, before we even get to this passage in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has already done a ton of stuff. Jesus has been on a roll. He healed a dead girl. Like He, he brought a dead girl back from the dead. He heals this lady who has this 12-year flow of blood. She's been bleeding for 12 years, and because she was bleeding for 12 years, she was untouchable. She was labeled as unclean. She wasn't allowed to be around anybody. So for 12 years of this lady's life, she walked around lonely. And Jesus comes in and he heals her. Not only does he heal her, but there's a, a man who is, or these, these two guys that he heals that were blind. In an instant, simultaneously, he heals these blind guys. And he says, now go and don't tell anybody about this. But these guys, like, they were blind, but now they can see. So how do you not go and tell somebody about this healing that's taking place in your life? And so they go and they tell everybody that they know. They say, There's this man named Jesus who touched my eyes, and now I'm healed. I was blind, but I couldn't see. How can you not go and share this good news with people? That's what they were doing. And then he comes to this man who has a demon inside of him. He's possessed by a demon. He's, he's closed his mouth. He's not been able to talk. He's mute. Jesus goes and, and he casts this demon out of his life, and now this guy can talk again. And in every city and in every town that, that Jesus goes to in this moment, every town that he shows up in, I want you to see the immediate emotion that Jesus has in, in Matthew 9, 36. It says, when he saw the crowds, 
He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So when Jesus sees the crowds, he says that he has compassion on them. I want you to circle compassion there in, in your Bibles there in verse 36. The, the word compassion here, it's this word uh, splognizomai. It's, it's this deep-seated pity and this sympathy for people. It, it, it's this, man, I, I hurt, but I hurt for, for what I'm seeing. It, it's not like the acute pain where you're, you're hammering on a nail and all of a sudden you, you bash your finger and you're like, ah, what is going on? And you're like, how did I hit my finger? It's throbbing, it's hurting, what am I going to do? It's not this type of acute pain. Right? It, it's deeper than that. It's the pain that centers in into the gut and it churns down deep into the bowels because you've gotten a diagnosis. The phone rings. On the other end, they tell you what's going on inside your body. They tell you what's going on inside of a loved one's body. And you know the damage that's getting ready to take place in them. And you know that unless there's a miracle that happens, nothing is going to get better. It's only going to get worse. It's getting the diagnosis. And so when Jesus sees these crowds, it's not the physical brokenness that he's torn up about. Like he's been healing, you know, some, some people. He, he's been doing a miraculous work with people time and time again, healing after healing after healing. But what he's broken and torn up about isn't the, the physical disease and the broken bodies. It, it's the fact that, that people are like sheep and harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He sees what's going on with the people in the area and it has nothing to do with the fact that their physical bodies are, are hurting in this moment. He cares, that's why he's healing. But why he's broken up is because the sheep are being harassed. They're being tortured. And they don't have anybody leading them very well. See, Israel throughout their history, they were supposed to be led by good kings. They were supposed to be led by good leaders that would, that would faithfully take them and lead them to God, right? that would lead them to a place where they understood God and they were faithful to Him. But historically and epidemically, these leaders, they weren't leading the people to God. They were actually leading people away from God. They began to chase after other gods. And as they were chasing after other gods, they brought other people to chase other gods as well. Their hearts and their minds were turned and they were beginning to turn the Israelite people uh, as well. They didn't treat people very well. And they were by all means selfish in their leadership endeavors. Everything was about them. What worked best for them? What was more pleasurable for them? And then, a little later, when the religious leaders are coming on the scene and, and the Pharisees are, are, are leading people, they were supposed to be leading the people well too, but they were only concerned about what was going on on the outside. They weren't concerned about the heart. They were concerned about looking well, and they were concerned about losing their authority. And so they kept pushing people back to the rules and to the regulations. They had no bearing on what was going on inside of the heart. And we know that in uh, Jesus' uh, um, Sermon on the Mount, he has this, uh, this large conversation. He says, I'm not concerned with what's going on in the externals if what's going on on the inside is corrupt. So I'm not, I'm not concerned with external conformity of getting everything right if the inside is dirty. And what the Pharisees were all concerned about was getting the outside of the cup clean while the inside of the cup was dirty. And, and so for lack of better purposes, they had nothing on the inside of the cup to be pouring out to others. And so what they did as hypocrites themselves began to lead the, the nation of Israel into hypocrisy as well. They were not leading people well at all. And so... Jesus sees these are people that are like sheep without a shepherd, nobody really caring for them. And his compassion isn't for the sickness that he's seen. It's this great spiritual need that they have. They're aimless. 
They, their greatest need is Jesus, but yet they're filling it with all kinds of other things, with good work, with fancy things, with, with moral uprightness, being satisfied maybe with just making it through each day alive. See, on the outside, there would have been people who would have been looking into all these villages and all these towns and saying, you know what? It looks like they've got it all together. It looks like everything is running well in there. They, 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 they've got um, hard workers. They're moral. They're keeping their heads down. They're getting, uh, they're getting the jobs done. They're good citizens. They're paying their taxes, and they're living their best life now. I mean, just look at them. They are having a ball over there. They've got it all together. But when Jesus saw the people that were around him, his gut hurt because he saw people who were being satisfied way too easily with everything that was around them while their greatest need was being left untouched. He saw that people were being satisfied while their greatest need, who was Jesus himself, wasn't being touched. They were staying on the surface level and never scratching down below and saying, this is what your heart really needs. This is what your heart was designed for. See, in our context, most people in our lives aren't, aren't uh, looking like they're hurting. Now, there, there's some obvious people where, where, man, it is very clear you're hurting, you're broken, and you need help. You need somebody to intervene, and you need to intervene now. But for the most part, the people that are in our lives they're going to tell you, man, everything is fine. You know, I mean, how are you? Man, I'm fine. Everything is fine. In fact, we go through great pains to make it look like everything in our life is fine. Everything is going well. Like we do it with our bodies, right? I mean, we, 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 uh, every single day, we are literally falling apart, right? Tell yourself that. Like every day that we get older, we are literally falling apart, getting closer to death. <laughs> How about that for the morning, huh? Yeah. I, I, went, I went to church today and Anthony told me I'm dying every single day of my life. Every single day of our life. Like we are moving that direction. We are falling apart. And, and everything that we do, we try to make it look like that's not, what hap- that's not what's happening. Like I'm not saying don't go to the gym. Like go to the gym, lift the weights, get buff, work out. Like do that thing, right? Be fit. Eat healthy food. Eat the green stuff. Eat the orange stuff. Eat the real bright, colorful stuff that's on the outside of the grocery store. Don't go to the middle because that stuff's bad for you. Stay around on the outside. Be healthy. I'm not saying don't do that kind of stuff. Take care of yourselves. But our physical health doesn't always tell what's going on on the inside. Our physical health doesn't always tell the, the whole story. We do it with our, uh, our family situations too. Uh, uh, like things aren't always Instagram perfect. Things aren't always Facebook ready in our life, but the persona that we put out in front of people is that we have our lives all together. Everything is, is perfect for us. It, even we do this spiritually too. Uh, us or people in our lives or people in our culture for sure, we, we've, uh, we've gone to church a little bit in our life or we've gone all throughout our life and, and we think that we're good. We've done a few good things in our life and we think that, oh man, we're, we're good. Or we, we've had a good reading with the deck of the tarot cards and we think, oh man, my life is going to be really good for the rest of, uh, rest of my life. I'm never going to run into anything. Um, I've lived morally upright and so I'm going to be good. And, and we've even determined for some that, that I, I haven't or I, I don't, there's really no need for organized religion in my life. And so I've dismissed the very idea that there's a God in heaven who wants to be interacting with me, who wants to be involved in my life. And so I feel like I'm spiritually good, and I think I'm spiritually fine. There are people around you, and maybe even yourself, that, that, you, that you know about God, you know about Jesus, you, you know the Word, but yet you struggle to know Jesus. 
I think we're doing okay. And so we even do this in our spiritual world. And so when we look out and we survey our workplaces, we survey our schools and we survey our homes and our neighborhoods, the perfect Instagram, the well-manicured yard, the house with all the sweet rides sitting out in the drive, it doesn't mean that everything's fine. It doesn't mean that there, there aren't people that are hurting that are living inside of those doors. It doesn't mean that everything is perfect. It's, it's to those folks that Jesus is calling us to. Earlier in Matthew chapter 9, uh, he's sitting in the house of Levi, hanging out with people that he's not supposed to be hanging out with, according to the crowds. And he says, I want you to know I didn't come for those who are well. I came for those who are sick. And what Jesus is saying is there are people in that community, in every town that he's going with, that are walking around sick, and they don't know that they're sick. They're most likely people who seem like they have it all together. They're sheep without a shepherd. And what do sheep without a shepherd do? They run off. They uh, find things to get into. They uh, look for good food, but they don't know how to get to good food. They end up munching on the same old grass, the stuff that's, um, that, that's not doing any good for them anymore, things that are not adding value to their life, things that are actually maybe killing them, and nobody's there to tell them to move on to the next pasture. Sheep are um, without a shepherd. They're subject to the wolves. They're dancing around in the meadow thinking that everything is, is really good, man. I'm having so much fun out here in the meadow. I'm just, I'm just prancing along, having no idea that there's a wolf who's watching them ready to devour in any second. And Jesus is moved by what he sees. And he looks at the disciples who are around them, people that he's chosen to reach other people. And he looks at them and says in verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He goes from sheep <laughs> to harvest now. And, and this passage, it, it's so plain, and it makes so much sense to us here, especially in an agrarian culture where we understand the importance of the harvest. We understand the importance of gathering things in before it's too, before it's too late, getting everything out of the field. And we know that the more laborers that we have out in the field, the faster the work goes. We know that the more combines that we get out into the field, the faster the work goes, and there's nothing that gets left behind. And so we get this passage on the surface, but it's what lies under the surface for us that's so difficult, going and telling people about Jesus, intentionally meeting people where they are, intentionally meeting people in the midst of their mess. That's kind of hard for us. And the thing is, we've made it so hard, yet Jesus has said, guys, my heart hurts because there are people in the world who don't know me, and they're settling for less than me, and I know their future. I know what it's going to be like without me. Guys, my heart hurts. Go out there and tell people about me. They're ready to hear. The, the fields are ripe for harvest. Even if it looks like they have it all together and they don't think that they need me, go out and tell them about me. Can, can we make this just, I mean, the, 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 pain, the painfully obvious connection here? This passage, it's addressed to the disciples, right? It's addressed to them, people who are following Jesus, to go out into the world that isn't going to last forever and to tell people about Jesus. This passage, it's not written to the sheep who are out frolicking around and saying, man, my life is good, my life is good, and they have no idea that, that things are bad in their life. It's not written to the sheep. It's written to those who know that there's a harvest that's coming. 
It's not written to the sheep. It's written to you and it's written to me to do something about what we see in the context that we see it. It's a call for us to have real conversations with people, to see people where they are, to see the people that are around us, to feel the deep concern of people not knowing Jesus and to go and make a difference in somebody's life, to be real rescued people who are rescuing, rescuing people, to be reached people who are now reaching people, to be the people that God is using to reach other people, to be a Joey in somebody's life. But the problem is we've made this so dang hard. We, we've made it hard to share the good news of Jesus with, uh, with, with people. We've, we've put labels on it like, evangelism. We've put labels on it like winning the lost. We've put labels on it like gospel explosion, know the four spiritual laws, all good things. But people don't understand that and it scares people to death. We've made what was meant to be so natural in the Christian life to just go and tell somebody like, hey, there's a God who set me free. Let me tell you about somebody. Like I was a fish out of water. Somebody put me back into the water. Let me tell you about that. We've taken what was so natural for us, what was to be so natural, and we've made it this super complicated thing that's reserved for these, these super spiritual, fundamental super Christians who have time to go out and do it. And so we've created a thousand different ways and a thousand different strategies to go and share this news. And I think what we've done is we've paralyzed people with our programs and we've paralyzed people with the strategies maybe that we've tried to use. When I uh, first came to Christ, uh, I was uh, going to a church that was super focused on sharing the gospel with people, as we should be in every single church. And, and, they, and they use something called uh, the Romans Road, right? And uh, I'm sure you're probably familiar with, with uh, Romans Road. And uh, it's a, a few passages in the book of Romans that shows, like, this, this, is, this is your condition uh, without Christ. This is your condition in Christ. And, and so the idea was to find somebody, anybody, that would sit down and have a conversation with you. And so the idea is you walk up to somebody and you say, hey, can I talk to you? It's totally unassuming. They didn't know this is coming. Like, sure, I guess we can sit down and have a conversation. Like, hey, did you know that you're a sinner? <laughs> what? Hey, my name's Joe. Nice to meet you. Did you know that you're a sinner? Well, I, no, I didn't think that I was. Well, here, let me tell you. Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. So that makes you a sinner. Did you know that you're a sinner? No, I don't think that I am, but I, okay. Well, okay, so if you can agree with me then that you're a sinner, well, let me tell you about Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23 tells us that um, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus. Did you know that because you're a sinner, you're going to hell? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Oh, but don't be dismayed because there's a free gift that, would give you, that can give you eternal life. You, would you like to know about that free gift of eternal life? Um, well, if, if I'm going to hell, yeah, maybe I should. Okay, well, let me tell you about Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8 says that uh, God, God loved us so much that even, even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, okay. So, so you, were, you were a sinner. You deserve to die and go to hell. Don't be dismayed. Because there's somebody who, while you were in the midst of your sin, who came and, and loved you enough to die for you, to take your place so you can have this free gift of eternal life. Do you agree with that? Well, I mean, I'm tracking with you, but I don't know if I agree with that. Okay, great. Let me tell you about Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, uh, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Would you like to have eternal life with Jesus right now? 
Didn't know that I needed it. Can I have some time to think about it? No. You need to make a decision right now. Because if we relieve right now, what would happen if you died tonight and you went to stand before God? Would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? I don't know. I've been a pretty good person. Well, you need to make a decision right now. What are you going to decide? This is how I was trained. Okay? This is how, like, I'm being uh, maybe a bit blasphemous to some of you right now. This is, because this works in certain scenarios. This works. It doesn't usually work in the context of getting to know people. But sometimes it works. But this is how I was trained. Had no idea how to have a conversation with somebody. I was nervous as can be, man. I'd see you sitting on the side like, um, excuse me, can, we have, can I talk to you for a minute? And, and they see, like, you've got your Bible in your hands, like, God, what's this guy got to say? I was terrified. I was terrified. We've made this so difficult for people. So difficult. So unnatural. But when we've been connected to Jesus, this is, should be just as natural as breathing to us. We've talked a lot about lingering with Jesus and being in his presence. And when we're connected to him, this just naturally flows out of us that when we know that we've been set free, we just simply sit down and we talk with somebody like a normal human being, not as a weirdo, okay? We, we sit down next to them and say, man, this, let me get to know you. Let me hear your story. Let me let, let, me let you hear my story. And let me, this should be as natural as breathing. So how do we make this easier, right? How do we make it easier than it's been? Because if we're being honest, like evangelism or sharing, or sharing our faith with somebody, it, I mean, it's a little bit in, intimidating. But, but I think if we break it down to, and like get back to, to normality for, for, for Christianity, this could be super easy. It, it should be very natural. So we just go back to the basics, right? And, and the basics are like, what's the gospel? What, what, what's the gospel? The gospel is that people are messed up and they need Jesus. And, and if people come to Jesus, he'll give them brand new life. He'll forgive them. He'll wrap them into his arms. They are secure in him, and he's never going to let go. Their life is now made new in him. Their identity has changed. They have a home with Jesus. 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17 says that, that if, if anybody is in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. They are a brand new identity. That's the gospel. You need a Jesus. Jesus forgives. And so we take that and we share it with people. We share this gospel with, with people. We go and we tell people about Jesus. Hey, you need Jesus, and Jesus actually wants you. You need Jesus, and Jesus wants you into his family. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. People are going to grow. People are going to be developed over time. But when we're sharing the gospel with people, like, this is it. Jesus came, he died, he loves you, he forgives you when you come into his family, and your life is forever changed. You have a brand new identity, and now you start operating out of that identity. That's it. Jesus, you need him, and he wants you. So how do we do that? We do what Jesus did. We see people, and we talk to people. We see them, we see the condition, we have compassion on people, and we have conversations with them. I was... Uh, I read a book this week uh, called 40, uh, 42 Seconds, um, The Jesus Model for Everyday Interactions. Um, Eva Carson recommended this. Uh, it's a short read. Um, it's actually, it's a fantastic read. It um, points out the, the very nature of seeing people and how to have real conversations with people. Um, I would recommend this um, if you're into reading books. Um, I actually, I ordered uh, a bunch of them to have here today, um, but they're not going to be here till later <laughs> this afternoon. Uh, so uh, thank you, Amazon Prime. And... Uh, um, yeah, sorry. 
And, uh, but they'll be, they'll be here uh, next week if anybody wants one. They'll be 10 bucks. It's just the cost of the book. We're not making anything off of it. Um, but it's a good read. It's, it's, Jesus, it's how Jesus had conversations with people. He saw people. He saw the need. And he just interacted uh, with them. See, Jesus, remember, Jesus saw the crowds, and he had compassion on people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And there's so many stories throughout Jesus' life where he just simply shows up. He, he spends time with people that, that nobody expected him to spend time with. He goes and, he, and he's easily interrupted by people. Like he allows people to interrupt him and he sits and he talks with them. He goes out of his way to talk to people. And what he do, does is he just develops relationships naturally. He hears the story of somebody and then he tells them the truth. And so I would say the first thing, one of the first things that we learn to do is we develop relationships with people. Like we stop being so isolated and we just, like we, we get present. With, with people. And, and this is a 21st century, so I don't have to give you a thousand different ways on how to do this, but it's just simply, like, see the people that are around you. Like, you, you drive by in your neighborhood, and you wave by your neighbors every day. Hey, guys, have a conversation with them. Get to know them. You, you probably go to the same barber, the same beautician, probably go to the same grocery store. You probably see the same uh, kids in the hallway every single week. Get to know those people. Have real conversations with them. Be present with them. Uh, uh, and, and people know if you're actually being present with them or, or not. They know if they're just part of a, a program uh, and if you're trying to get them to somewhere else. They know, like, but really be present with them. I had a uh, professor when I was in college. He would walk around with this uh, manila envelope. Always had it in his hands, no matter where he was. And, and so one day we asked him, like, hey, what's up with the, what's up with the envelope? Well, why, do you always, why do you always have that folder uh, with you everywhere that, everywhere that you go? And he said, I, I carry this with me in case there's a conversation that I want to get out of. I said, what? He said, yeah, I carry it with, the, with me in case there's a conversation that I want to get out of. If I'm in the middle of a conversation that I don't want to be in anymore, I just simply, I look at the folder and say, well, I got to go. Like he's off to something that's more important than the conversation that he's in. I said, man, that's busted. That's some janky stuff right there. That's not cool at, at all. But I think we all have our manila folder. We all have something that we use to get in and out of conversations. Are you quick to get into a conversation? Or are you quick to get out of, uh, of a, conver a conversation? Now, I heard a pastor um, say at a conference one time, he was talking about his mentor. He said his mentor was a, a man who walks slow among men. And I said, boy, man, that, that's what I want for me. I want to be a man who walks slow among men. And I'm going to tell you, this is hard for me. Right? It's hard for me to slow down because I feel like I've got to go boom, 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 off to the next thing, off to the next thing, off to the next person. It's hard for me to slow down. It's easier for me to talk to however many people we have in here right now. It's easier for me to do this than it is to sit down one-on-one -on -one with you, Jake. It's, it's easier to sit and talk with a bunch of people than it is to sit down with you, Brad, just one-on-one. -on -one. And, and, and so I, I'm learning or I'm, I'm praying that the Lord would help me to be a man who walks slowly among men. So we, we develop these relationships, and, and then we listen and we hear people's stories. And I'm, I'm not very good at this, but when you, when you sit down and, and you just ask people's stories, I, I think they'll tell you what their stories are. Tim, you do this better than maybe anybody I know. Um, and I, I was praying this week. Again, I told you I'm not very good at this. And I, I was praying. I said, Lord, would you, uh, would you just show me somebody to talk to? Would you, would you give me an opportunity to slow down? And God sent Leslie into my life. <laughs> Didn't see this coming at all. Um, I was teaching at one of the nursing homes here in town. And, uh, 
and I, as I was teaching, I was, uh, there was this lady who was over here on the side, and she was just, uh, she's just moving around, she was moving around, and she's, you know, bobbing her head up and down, like, like, like I didn't know what she was doing, and she's making noise, and I thought, man, this lady is either tracking with me, or she's crazy, what, one or two, I don't know which one it is yet, and so I'm like, what's going on with, with this gal, and, and, and so the spirit began to, inside of me, said, hey, talk to this girl, Spend some time with her. I said, no, no, I, I don't have time. I don't have time for this. Um, I, I, I've got to go do something else right after this. I don't have time to stop. And he said, listen to me. Stop and, and, and talk to this girl. Ask her about her story. I said, okay, I'll do it. And so when I was done talking, I went over and I, and I, and I got in front of her. I said, hey, what's your name? And she said, my, my name's Leslie. I said, Leslie, would you, would you mind taking 10 minutes and just, and just telling me your story? I, I want to hear about you. And she looked over her shoulder and she said, let me check my schedule. She said, oh, hey, it's, it's empty. I got plenty of time. I, I said, oh, okay. And, and so we sat down and, and we had a conversation and uh, she told me uh, about her ex-husband and how great of a guy he was. I was surprised to hear that. And uh, she told me about her uh, stepchildren and she told me about all the pain that her body was in. And she gave me this huge list of, of the things that are going on inside of her and uh, she said, you know, the reason why I, I stand up and I move around a lot is because if I stop, my body is in tremendous pain. And, and so I'm moving around. My, my body feels a little bit better. And she said, I can't sleep at night. I sweat all the time because my body hurts. And, and she just tells me all, all of her story. And she said, you know what? I, I think God's beginning to show me that, that I can have a, a positive perspective in all this. And, and she's looking for ways like to see God at work in this. And I was, I was just baffled. And, and, and as, as I was talking with her, I felt like the Lord was just kind of pressing me into this place of saying, get to know her even more. I was like, I don't know what that means to get to know her more. And, and so I, uh, I looked at her and I said, hey, uh, Leslie, would it be okay if I brought my kids back to, to meet you and to, to spend time with you? Because I think they'd really enjoy you. This, like, like she is very charismatic. And uh, I said, like, I, I think my kids would really love spending time with you. And I, I think my wife would really love enjoying uh, meeting you as well. And she said, well, let me check my, my schedule. And she looked over her shoulder. She's like, yeah, my schedule's clear. How many time that you want? And so I brought my family back, and we sat down with her, and we had a really good time getting to know her. And I don't know what the next step looks like, but when we ask people's stories, like, they talk to us. They share their stories. And it's not like to get to a certain place. It's so that we can have an opportunity to get to know them because they are image bearers of God who have worth and have value. And their stories have worth and they have value. And when you get to know people, you get the opportunity to show, okay, this is how Jesus intersects your life. This is like, God, show me. What's the next step for me? And this is where we, like, we, we develop relationships with people. We, um, we, we uh, uh, um, get to know their stories and we discern the next step through the Spirit. Like it was, okay, Holy Spirit, like what's next? We have the Holy Spirit that's living inside of us. What's the next step in this conversation with you? And see, there, there's no clear formula on this. It's like, Lord, what's next? How can I show compassion? How can I show love? How can I show that you are really involved and you care about people? How can I show that to her? How can I show that to him? Do you have a Leslie in your life? Are you being a Joey in somebody else's life? Do you have people in your life who don't know Jesus? I, I want to show you a, a quick video of, of what this kind of looks like. I have a partner at work. I've been really trying to share my faith with him, but he's not super open to it. Um, we have a lot of fun together. We laugh a lot. Uh, he's a pretty tough guy. He was in the military for a long time. He's a military police officer. 
Um, and we, we really get along well, but he's not very open to talking about God. We do sometimes, but he, he doesn't want to have long theological conversations. Um, he kind of skips the topic or, or uh, changes the topic when it comes up. And recently he worked an off-duty uh, security job at City Light Church in Omaha. I've been praying for this guy quite a bit in his faith and that uh, specifically I've been praying that I, wouldn't be the, that I wouldn't be the only one talking to him but that God would send others across his life who know Jesus. Um, and he went to uh, City Light to, uh, to work a security gig for one of their services. And I didn't know he was going to do that, but when we got back together uh, a couple days later, he told me about how he talked to one of the pastors, and everybody there was super welcoming, and he was really intrigued um, by that church. And he didn't say it, but it sounded like they really represented Jesus well. And he talked about how he wanted to um, possibly go back to that. He's open to going back to that church, which was crazy, because he's never been open to going to a church. Never wanted to talk to me about going to a church. Uh, but it just really affirmed to me uh, that uh, that God is at work. And like you said, City Light had no idea that I, I had been talking uh, with my partner, praying for him. Um, and I have no idea where it's going to go. It's right in the middle of the story right now. We, we, we ride together for, for six-month tours. We might do another six months after this, or we might go to different parts of the city. Um, but this is this is the time that I have right now to be Jesus to him. And I think that's really what it's about, is what time do we have right now? Uh, and then God will take care of, of the rest. He's sending other laborers out there. But what time do we have now to be Jesus as somebody that, that may have few opportunities um, to, to know him? There's no clear formula to this. It, it, it's people seeing people, investing in their lives, and, and, and talking to, to them. See, God wants to use you to reach the people that are, are in your lives. And it starts by seeing them, having compassion in that space, and then just starting a conversation with them. I want to give just a few quick things. Just like, you know, what, what, what's a couple of ways? Like, give me, give me some ideas um, before, before we take off. Here, here, here's something that you can do this week. Uh, write down a few names of the people that you might have in, in, in your circle, in your sphere of influence, that you think may not know Jesus. And, and here's what I would say. Start praying that God might give you a natural conversation with them, that you'll look for opportunities. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you pray for that, he's going to give you a window of opportunity to, to talk to somebody. And then, and then you just begin to pray, like, okay, what's next? What's next, Lord? What's next? Like, if you're a student in, in the room, and this is a, a, a culture that's tough to stand up and be bold in, right? And, and so what I want to do is I want to encourage you, right? I want to encourage you to have, uh, to pray this week, to say, God, help me be bold. Give me one conversation this week. Give me one conversation with somebody, one conversation with one friend. Give me one teacher. Give me one coach. And, and give me one conversation with somebody that I know needs to hear about you. Right? Like, you, you probably already know who that person is. And I want you to begin to pray, like, God, help me. Now, I've been in this friend zone with him or her for the past five years, and, and, and I, I've never said anything about Jesus. And so, God, would you give me the boldness to have one conversation this week that would glorify you? Maybe if you, uh, you have neighbors around you, the, the person that you've been waving to when you pull into your driveway every week, that maybe you, um, uh, you take your trash out at the same time and you see them. Maybe, maybe you take a neighboring risk and you say, you know, I'm going to invite you over to my house. 
I want to have you sit at my table and have dinner. Would you come and join? Not, 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 not to just go to Romans Road, right? but to sit down and get to know them, to discover a relationship with them, to hear their story, and then begin to pray, Lord, what's the next step in their lives? Do you have anybody in your life that doesn't know Jesus? Let's pray. Father, thanks for our time this morning. Thank you that, uh, and you're, you're bigger than we give you credit that you don't give us the clear strategy. You said go, make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. But the strategy on doing that, it's, it wasn't a clear thing. And so we look at your life, and then we see what you did. You saw the need, and you had compassion, and you, you talked to people, and you told people the truth. Father, would you give us that boldness this week? Would you give us the boldness to stand for you? Would you give us the ability to be present with people? To not to be fast, just to, to be people who are slow amongst other people. Not quick to get out of a conversation, but maybe even quick to get into one. So that we can hear stories. So we can share life. And so we, that we can share the truth and the life of Jesus with them. Pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.